Sunday and Wednesday, the journey. Everybody say the journey. Now tonight we'll begin, uh, I want to talk to you about the next step. Everybody say the next step. The next step. Uh, last, this past Sunday, the journey is our journey. It's, it's a journey that we take together as God's people. And tonight I want to talk about the next step. Everybody say the next step. Amen. They say that the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. Somebody say amen. I remember when I started serving the Lord. I remember when I really gave my life to the Lord. Uh, I remember those first steps. Uh, the praise team sang an old song tonight, old Andre Kraut song, uh, that take me back uh, to the place where I first received you. I, I remember those first steps. Every once in a while it's alright to think about that love that you had. I remember after I got saved, I remember my sister looking better. <laughs> she didn't look so mean anymore. <laughs> she didn't even act so mean anymore. Somebody say, maybe I didn't act so mean. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe my eyes were different. Maybe it wasn't everybody else. Maybe it was me. That was different. Come on. Uh, same sisters, same mothers, same trees. But I remember that night the Lord filled me with His Spirit. Everything looked different. And so I really believe that He changed me. And we know that's the fact. But uh, uh, that, that journey begins with a step of faith. And the Lord will always meet us with that step of faith. Amen. And so a few weeks ago, the Lord moved in a powerful way on, on our Sunday service and there was the gifts of the Spirit were operating, and the Lord spoke to us a very specific uh, message, and I'm thankful for that. And, and there was a phrase in that uh, message to this church that then we had a guest speaker come this past Wednesday, and right in the middle of his message, he mentioned the same phrase. He said the same thing to this church. He said, I, I feel like the Lord said he's going to go before you and he's going to go behind you. And these were very specific terms that the Lord said, don't be afraid. I'm going before you and I'm going behind you. And that resonated. I felt uh, uh, a, a, an agreement in my spirit uh, with that. And so I began to pray about that and immediately my mind came to uh, what I'm going to share with you tonight in this scriptural text, my mind went to this happening in the book of Exodus chapter 14. I mentioned it that Sunday that the Lord, it was very important for the Lord to go before Israel, but he also went behind them. And him going behind them was significant in that it separated them from their past, from Pharaoh and their old life. So I believe the Lord does want to go before us into our future, but He also wants to put a gap between us and what was. Amen. We can't live on what was. we got to let the Lord be behind us also. Amen. Amen. And, and so the Lord was that cloud that came between His people and the, and the Egyptians. And so I want to draw your attention to that passage tonight. It's in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10. And I want to read just a few verses here. And we'll start with verse 10. And it says, as faith, and this is a little different version. It's not the KJV. Uh, but, it, but it says this, as Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, looked up and panicked. Now, uh, they panicked. Everybody say they panicked. They looked up when they saw Pharaoh, they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them and they cried out to the Lord. Let me see your hand if something's ever happened in your life and, and you saw uh, or you ex were experiencing something and you panicked. 
and you cried out to the Lord. And I'm not just talking about getting scared in the woods or getting lost or, you know, uh, getting spooky when your parents aren't home and all the lights are out. I'm talking about a spiritual happening where, where you, you knew that there was a fight for your faith and, and you knew, you know, you needed the Lord at that moment and there came some anxiety in your spirit. Uh, folks, I don't think trouble ought to create a panic in the people of God. I think we ought to know who our Lord is, that He's good. Amen. But they cried out unto the Lord. Verse 13, let's skip down to verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Now that's interesting that the, the, the man of God in their life, in the life of Israel, didn't say after the battle was over, he didn't say, oh, you're not ever going to see these people again. No, he said that before the battle started. He said uh, strange words before the people ever were rescued. While they were still anxious, the man of God was saying, God, don't be panicked, don't be afraid, the Lord is going to rescue you today. Uh, your situation's going to change. It's not going to look the same as it looks right now. Uh, and sometimes we need uh, somebody, it doesn't have to be the preacher, but thank God for a people of faith that can encourage us and raise our faith to see beyond what we're seeing right now and say, I believe God's going to make a way for me. I believe God's going to do a work for me. Amen. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Amen. Let's go to verse 15. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses. Now this caught me. And maybe it'll catch you. I'm not sure. But, but uh, something in this verse just really caught me. Then the Lord said to Moses. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Now the KJV says to move forward. Everybody say move forward. And then he says to Moses, verse 16, pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Okay, well let's go a little further. Verse 21, then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry ground, dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with the walls of water on each side. How many believe the Lord made a way for His people? Amen. How many know the Lord can make a way for you? How many believe the Lord can make a way for you? Amen. Yes, He can. So we're talking about the next step. And we find the children of Israel at the Red Sea the Egyptians behind them, and water in front of them. They hesitated. You got the world's most powerful army coming behind you. You're standing in front of an ocean in front of you. And it, no wonder they panicked or hesitated. They hesitated. They cried out to God in fear, the Bible says, not in faith. But God promised to help them. The word came through Moses. Moses said, God is going to help you today. God is going to help you today. I, I love those words. I, I want to get up every morning that way. God is going to help me today. <laughs> Amen. I, I know I could get up in many different ways. I could get up and say, man, my back sure is hurting today and my back does hurt. But I could get up also and say, the Lord is going to help me today. <laughs> 
I could get up and say, man, my checkbook doesn't look too good today. And I could worry all day about that. Or I could get up and say, my, I believe the Lord is going to help me today. I believe God is on my side. I believe I'm a child of the King. And I don't believe I'm forgotten. I don't believe I'm forsaken. Come on. Let's grab a hold of faith tonight and believe that God is going to help us. He will. I know he will. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. God promised to help them, and that's very important. Moses said, God is going to rescue you. Don't be afraid. God is going to rescue you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God is going to rescue you. But here's the whole point of what I read in Exodus 14. I feel God speaking to me and about this that the Lord is saying in the last few weeks. Here's the point. God did not do anything. Until the, until the children of Israel were ready to cross the Red Sea. Moses said God's going to rescue you. But God did not do one thing, not one, until his people were ready to cross. He waited for them to act. In fact, you're going to find it. It's in that verse. We'll look at it in just a minute. God didn't do anything until Israel moved forward. And Moses stuck his arm out over the water. And a lot of us want God to come down and do all of it, take care of it, while we sit in the lazy boy and eat our Lay's potato chips. But God said specifically to his people, tell them to move forward and you stretch your arm out over that sea. God didn't do one thing until his people moved into action. Some people say, well, I come to church, but I don't feel nothing. Well, maybe you're not moving forward. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, maybe I'm not stretching. Come on now. So, well, why, why, do I need to go, why do I need to worship? Why do I need to pray? Why do, you know, they say, well, let's all come gather to the front. You know what? I want the Lord to see me move. I, not, not just move just because I want him to see me move, but I want that to be a movement of faith that says, Lord, I'm expecting you to do something. I'm believing you to act. I'm be- I believe your word. Moses said God's going to rescue, but tell them to move. You know that movement was an answer to their faith. Oh, no, God's not going to do it. You know what they do? They don't ever move forward. If Moses didn't believe God, he doesn't ever stretch his arm out over the sea. And when the Israelites move forward, and, the- and Moses stretched his hand out over the waters, then God did something. Somebody say amen. Now I want to tell you something. We too have a great task ahead of us. It's a sea in front of us. And over the past few services, we've talked about this great sea in front of us. The process and the purpose of our commitment. We've learned that God is the source of all things. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything I have is the Lord's. We've discovered that we can trust him to provide and to multiply my five loaves and two fishes beyond my ability. It's not about what I can do. It's about what he can do with what I have when I give it to him. You know, all all we do is step forward. And all Moses does is raise his hand. And all that little boy does is give his sack lunch. But when God steps in, all of a sudden, what is miraculous begins to happen. 
Amen. So be not weary in well-doing. Keep on doing what you know to do. Keep on walking by faith. Keep on trusting God. Keep on stretching. Keep on moving. Because God is at work. Amen. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? God is at work. Amen. So, we can talk about this for the rest of the year, talking and discussion and meetings. That doesn't change one thing. But when we, when we move, when we provide, when we say, Lord, here's what I've got. I'm going to respond because uh, I know you're going to help me. When I move forward, God begins to move and act and the east wind begins to blow. Think about it. It can be imperceivable, unperceivable. It, it cannot even be seen or, or felt initially. But that wind begins to blow. I don't, I don't know if it was a hurricane. Couldn't have been a hurricane. It blew everybody away. It had to be a little east wind blowing all night long, folks. And we say, well, I, I need the lightning and the thunder. I need, you know, I need the fleece dry and the ground wet. And I need the ground dry and the fleece wet. And I need my, if, if the Lord's really going to do it, I need him to write it in the sky and sometimes when God starts moving it's just a simple east wind that starts blowing somebody say amen all night long just, just blew all night long and I believe God is going to take care of his people now there's a couple of observations I want to talk to you about tonight I won't be really long uh, amen the fair's in town. I don't know if you noticed. I got to last long enough for the fair to get over. <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening tonight, but thank you for being at church tonight. <laughs> Amen. Is it? Well, Lynn, I'm thankful you're here tonight. If it's the rodeo, my God, that's a miracle here. Amen. Modern day miracle right here. Lynn's at church on rodeo night. I'm teasing. Amen. It's rodeo night. Well, I didn't know. I just know. I, 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 all that stuff, the rodeo, the, you know, the pageant, the motocross, all that stuff, fine and dandy. You know what? You know what's a temptation for me? It's those corn dogs and those funnel cakes. Can I get a witness? Amen. I'm telling you right now. So, so I got to preach long enough for all that to shut down because I, I don't need any corn dogs or funnel cakes. But I, w I do want to share a few things with you tonight that I believe God wants to speak to us. Amen. I, I call them observations at the Red Sea. Now, th this is very important. Observation number one. I want you to notice this. Leaders have the courage to take action while other people hesitate. That's one thing I noticed in these verses here in Exodus 14. When Israel was frightened and they didn't know what to do, there, there, Moses encouraged them not to be afraid. And he said, you're not ever going to see these Egyptians again. See, that's important in a, in a group of people that are trying to serve God. It's important to have some voices that say, I know it looks bad, but God is going to bring you through. Oh, amen. Everybody say leaders. Leaders uh, act when others are hesitating. And I think God wants to raise up leaders in this church. And it doesn't just have to be from the pulpit. Amen. There needs to be some men and women that when people are hesitating and saying, I don't know if God's going to, man, I've got more problems than I've ever had. There needs to be some good people of God that say, come on, take courage. God is going to meet your need. 
He's going to make a way. Come on, I think that needs to be a... If we could say it, it needs to be a virus that gets a hold of all of us. A word of encouragement for God's people. Come on. We're going to make it. You're going to make it. We are all leaders. You say, well, the lead, you know, there's a leader here and I'm just, you know, I'm not. No, somebody's watching each one of us. Lord, give me wisdom. Somebody's watching each one of us. I know you think nobody's watching you when you're in service. Hello? (laughs) But let me tell you, you're a leader. let, Let me just say this with as much love as I can say it. There's been people ask me why some of you don't worship. And I say, I don't know, why don't you ask them? And you say, well, nobody, you know, I don't amount to anything. Nobody follows me. No, somebody's watching you. And I, know, I want to tell you when somebody's really watching you. When you buried that loved one, somebody's watching you right then. When you've lost your job, somebody's watching you right then. They're going to see if your money is where your mouth is. It, uh, come on. I don't want to just be a sunshiny fan of Jesus. I want to be a rainy day fan. I, when, when the rain's pouring, I want to still be loving him. And I'm not saying we've all got it figured out and we all battle discouragement, but I want to tell you, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. This is where I can receive encouragement. Encouragement. Amen. I tell you, there's been times in all of our lives where somebody walked up and said, I'm praying for you. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. And you don't know how valuable those words are. I can't tell you how many times I got a card in the mail and nobody in this church knew it was going on. There are leaders in this church that, that may feel like, well, all I do is send a card. I can't tell you how many times I got a card that said, I'm praying for you. The Lord led me, uh, put you on my heart today to pray for you. Those are beautiful words of encouragement. We need some leaders that will say, hey, don't be afraid. God's going to make a way. That's what they don't hesitate. They just say, hey, we're going to walk by faith because God, God is with us and God is for us. So we must have the courage that translates into action. Everybody say action, action. Amen. Observation two, this is very important. I looked at this in this scripture and saw that God will not act on our behalf. And I mentioned it earlier, until we act for him. In fact, let me, did it strike it? I want you to see that verse. It just struck me. Did it strike you that God told the children of Israel to move forward? God said, move forward. Tell me what was in front of them. Move forward. Go toward the thing that is unknown and uncertain. Move toward your obstacle. See, we're all into moving back. (laughs) Hesitating. Not facing the issue. And the Lord said, step forward. Let me ask you something else. Did it strike you that God told Moses to divide the sea? Did you notice that? God said, stretch your arm out over the sea. Divide the waters so the children of Israel can pass through the midst of the sea. God told Moses to divide the waters. Now, I don't know about 
any one of us, but if the Lord told us to divide the river, we'd be like, well, I don't know if I know how to do that. <laughs> I don't know. God, he told him to raise his staff over the sea and divide the waters. Now, only God can multiply our gifts beyond our ability. Now, what can Moses do? Moses cannot divide the waters. Only God can divide the waters. So what part of that equation? Raise your staff over the sea and divide the waters. What part of that equation can Moses do? It's the first part. Raise your arm over the sea and divide the waters. And a lot of people get hung up on the last part. Divide the waters. I can't do that, so I'm not even going to raise my arm. And we back up not doing what we can do because we're scared of what's going to happen that we cannot do. And God says, Moses, stretch your arm forth and divide the sea. Moses didn't get hung up on, well, I can't divide the sea. My Lord. What? Trying to act like Brother Kyle. What? Okay, we get hung up on that. But you know what? The Lord told him, stretch your arm out. You know, you'll be amazed if you obey the Lord, what God will meet you and he'll do that you can't do. And we get hung up on the stuff we can't do. And the Lord said, Moses, raise your staff. And so Moses raised his staff. And what happened? The waters divided. God divided the waters. We give God our five loaves and two fishes. He turns it into a buffet. Well, no, we don't, we don't sit there wondering how can this serve so many. That's doubt. That's hesitation. We say, Lord, here it is. I'm going to give you what I got, and I'm going to believe you're going to do the stuff that I can't do. What's in my ability to do? If I'm Moses, I can raise my arm. I can do that. But God takes my arm raising and turns it into seed dividing. Well, I don't feel like worshiping. Well, raise your arm anyway. Because some of you need an ocean to divide. And while you're wondering how God's going to work it out, why don't you just do what you know to do? I'm going to raise my arm over that sea. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise Him. And God is going to do what only He can do. Come on, let's worship Him right now just for a minute. Thank you, Lord. God, help us to be people of faith. Lord, to believe you. Lord, there are things we cannot control. But Lord, we're going to obey you and do what you've asked us to do. God did not part the Red Sea until Moses stretched his arm out and until Israel took a step toward their obstacle. And when Israel stepped forward and Moses raised his arm and Israel was ready. At that moment, the waters parted. The third observation, we cannot afford to shrink back in this moment. We're at a crucial moment. We stand before Red Sea. The past is behind us. And we cannot afford to shrink back. Somebody say that with me. We cannot afford to shrink back. I don't believe, and I thank God, we, Sunday was Celebration Sunday, and it was an awesome Sunday. 
Amen. There's so many things happening and things that we didn't hear testimony about. Sunday, we just, we just celebrated those that have been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost in the last six months. Do you realize almost one person every week this year so far has been either ba- been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost? That's a pretty awesome deal. I, I, uh, I, I, hey, I thank God for that. I, I know you do as well. But I want to tell you, what are you saying? I'm saying this, God wants to do greater things. So I cannot afford to shrink back. God wants to save more souls. God wants to deliver more people. Yes, He does. He wants to use you and I to do that. Well, what can I do? Can you raise your arm? Can you move forward? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I can't teach you Bible study. Yes, you can. Can you read? Can you read? Yeah. It's amazing what we, well, I know God wants to do a miraculous thing, but I I can't even raise my arm, Pastor. Well, yes, you can. And and the moment we say, Lord, I'm going to do what I know to do and what I can do, God is going to give the increase. We can't afford to shrink back. Uh, Let me ask you something. What would have happened had Israel moved backwards instead of forward? Let me ask you. What would have happened if they, instead of moving forward, now you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. The sea was in front of them. Pharaoh was behind them. If they don't step forward, but they start backing up, what happens? They back into what? What do they back into? Pharaoh. Guess where they're going if they back into Pharaoh? Where are they going? They're going back to Egypt. They're going back to that old life. They're going back to slavery. And if you back up, that's where you're going. You can't back up. You've got to keep moving forward. I, oh, my God. You know, I, I want to tell, you know, we got folks uh, in here that serve God for years and years, and we got folks that serve God just for the last few months. I want to say to you, none of us can afford to shrink back. And say, well, I'm going back. No, no, if you go back, you're going back to some bad stuff. <laughs> and I know you feel like you're not going too fast, but I don't care how slow you're going, but just keep moving forward. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. I know you are, but let's praise Him for a minute. Amen. We can't afford to go back. Whatever our difficulties, we cannot afford to shrink back. Somebody say amen. Well, in reference to what we're talking about, we're talking about expansion. We're talking about uh, facilities. We're talking about uh, the the, the, uh, blessings that that would bring to a congregation because of multiple use that we're having to deal with right now. And some, I know, perhaps... Uh, you want to commit, and we've been talking about commitment and going forward, and you say, well, it's just bad timing for me. Listen, don't shriek back. God can take what you have. Maybe you got a problem or a financial burden, and you say, that's just kind of holding me back right now, Pastor. Don't shrink back. And you say, well, I'd like to do a lot more. Well, just do what you can do. That's, that's, that's the point. It's not about mortgaging your grandchildren. <laughs> It's just about every one of us doing, doing what we can do. 
I just got five loaves. Well, five loaves will do. <laughs> well, I just got two fishes. Well, two fishes will do. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Whatever the difficulty, we can't afford to shrink back. You know why? Because you still, you will still have problems and difficulties. Listen, you're still going to have problems five years from now. The Lord tarries right now. Listen, if the Lord tarries right now, and maybe we ought to replay this sermon five years from now if the Lord tarries. <laughs> five years from now, you're going to say, I still have problems. A problem-free life is not going to come your way until you hear the Lord say, well done, and you enter eternal life. So, five years from now, you're still going to have difficulties and problems. But you won't, listen, you won't have the same opportunity as you have right now. Everything will look different in five years. Do you know... My good friend, Brother Jonathan Urshan, uh, it's about three years ago now, maybe about three and a half years ago, he called me and said, hey, me and my wife need to come talk to you. So we, they came over to our house, and we could tell something was bothering them. And, and uh, John said, he said, Calvin, you won't believe it. He said, Tammy's pregnant. Well, some of you are like, well, yeah, she's pregnant. That's what happens. You know, people that are married, they have children. Well, John's my age, 55. His wife was 46 at the time. He starts, Tammy starts crying. John says, my God, Calvin, when this child graduates, I'll be 70 years old. I said, you're right. Let me encourage you, brother. I don't have any kids at home. We're going on a cruise. We're going on vacation. Happy diaper changing, brother John. God bless you. I'd call him and say, how you doing, John? He goes, oh, man, this baby's wearing me out. I said, that's right, John. You know what? When you're 25, 30, 35, that's the time to have kids. Because you got enough energy to deal with them. When you're 55, uh-uh, no, 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 no. You don't have the energy to mess with a two-year-old when you're 55. No, that, hey, believe it or not, God put these time parentheses in our lives. I don't care what the Pfizer Corporation says. There are time uh, parentheses and restraints in our lives. Now, I know Abraham did it, but I ain't Abraham. <laughs> and when I'm a hundred, ain't no, well, the Lord, I, here's my five loaves and my two fishes. But I'll tell you this, a hundred years old, that's not time to be raising kids. I mean, you're going to be feeding me through a straw. That's right. I mean, think about it right now. Anybody 55 right now? Raise your hand or close to it. Think about Jim, think about having a newborn right now. You, it, you're just not geared for that. I mean, young folks are geared for that. They're used to staying up all night. Have a kid. That's just not the young marriage class or anything, but listen. 
There, there's a reason my, my sister said, I think Paul was a sexist. So, yeah. Well, he said, I'd rather you not marry. I'd rather you be as I am. Well, the reason Paul said that is because he was working for God. And he said, yeah, a wife is going to complicate your life. Well, sure it is. It's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. You got it. Well, what are we going to eat for supper? Are we going to go grocery shopping? Are we going out to eat? There's anniversaries, birthdays, and then there's kids. Marriage is a compli- not a bad complication. Uh, you ought to hear what I'm saying right now. I feel I'm in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Think about it. You're single. I mean, we got some testimonies here. We got some folks that don't have that complication. They're single. They can come and go as they please. They get up at 3 in the morning because they can't sleep. I'm going to Casey's to get me some donuts. Their husband doesn't wake up at 3.30 and they're gone and go freaking out and call the cops. And Where were you? I was just at Casey's getting some pumpkin donuts. What's the big deal? When you're single, go golf when you want. You better go to work. In fact, work, you could get two jobs if you were single. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Work 8 to 5, get you a little supper, work from about 6 to 12 or 1, go to bed. Your life's not complicated. Uh Uh-oh, my goodness. Some of you, oh well. Trying to figure out how to get out of this one now. Here. Might as well keep digging. We're going to find treasure here somewhere. (laughs) No, you understand what I'm saying. There are times in your life that's appropriate for certain things to happen. Let me tell you something. Five years from now, we're not going to be at the point we are right now. Five years from now, it's all going to look different. We have an opportunity right now, right now, that we'll never pass this way again. It doesn't matter how long we hesitate. Think about Israel hesitating. Don't hesitate, Moses said. You've got an opportunity right now. If you hesitate, you go back. You're going back to Egypt. If you stay here, you're not obeying God. He said, we got a moment. we got to move now. I don't want to miss my moments. Isn't that what Jesus said when he wept over Jerusalem just before he got betrayed? And got crucified, he wept over him, and then he triumphantly entered Jerusalem. But before he entered, he wept over him. He said, how often I tried to gather you, but you would not gather. You've missed the time of your visitation, he said. You remember that? It's, you had an opportunity, and you missed it. It wasn't too long ago, we, I showed you how that the day he entered, that triumphant entry, was the day the door closed on the Jewish nation. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? We get an opportunity. We get a door. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Don't somebody say amen. Do you remember? In fact, let's, let me ask you this. Do you remember a time in the story of Israel's history in the wilderness where they did shrink back? Here at the Red Sea, the Lord says, don't shrink back. Don't go back. Go forward. Do you remember a time, and it wasn't too much longer after this, you remember when they did shrink back? Yeah, they got to the Jordan River, and it was their moment. And the Lord said, I've given you the land. What did they do? They backed up. And what did they back up into? They backed up into the wilderness for 40 years, wandering in circles. I don't want my life to be that way. 
When I've got a moment and God says, now's the time to move, I want to move. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want them to come to the music. God has brought each of us to this church, this ministry, this body of believers. I mean, look at it. How, I've had people ask me, how in the world did you end up in Salem, Illinois? You know, when I was 18, I had never been out of Louisiana. I thought Louisiana was the whole United States. For all you that wonder, it was most of it. Study the Louisiana Purchase. Yeah, without that, you don't have near as much as you got. So I got Louisiana's pretty important. Not Mississippi, Louisiana Purchase. Okay, all right, just saying. Colorado, Yellowstone, all that, Louisiana Purchase. They cut us down to size. They said, no, you can't be that big. Only Texas can be that big. How, how did God bring us all together? I mean, think about it. Think about, you know, my wife's family in Missouri, uh, her being born in Tupelo, me being raised in Louisiana. Here we meet in Mississippi. <laughs> think about Lynn, how God brought Lynn to this church. How God brought Mariah or Christy and her family. The list goes on and on. Just look around you and say, look how God, God just put people together. Honey, you look back there at Jim Clunch. My Lord, you ought to sit around the campfire and let him tell you stories how he got here. It's amazing that he got here. But he got here. Think about all God's people sitting in this room where we came from. We came from, out from under different ministries. We may not have been filled with the Holy Ghost in this church. Uh, we got a long, maybe some have a long history in the Lord. And maybe some, their history with the Lord started right here. Thank God for that. God brought each of us a mighty long way to this place. He feeds us here. He encourages us here. He gets his bride ready here. And now he says to us, to us, it's time to step forward and do a mighty work. Step forward, stretch out. Stretch out. So as we conclude tonight, I, I've been every, every service during this time of focusing. And I told my family uh, this past Sunday, they said they were at the quizzing tournament. They said, how did church go? I said, well... You know, I just want to preach, and, but we're, we've got this, uh, this, this fundraising endeavor going forward. And, but I don't want to feel like I'm wasting time. We're not wasting time talking about our future. I want you to notice something. First Chronicles 29, I close with this. First Chronicles 29, verse 9. The people rejoiced over the offerings. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. You remember a couple of Wednesday nights ago I talked about our joy is connected with our giving. People say, well, I've lost my joy. It's not because you don't have the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. Joy is connected with your giving. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talk talking about a spirit of giving. But people rejoiced over what they offered. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord and the King. And King David was filled with joy. There's a number of things I want you to notice in this verse. First of all, they were involved. If I say they were involved. Turn to your neighbor and tell them the Lord wants me to be involved. 
Look in this verse. Look here. Hit it one more time. Uh, look at this. Hit it one more time. There you go. We're all involved. Hit it one more time. The people rejoiced. If I say they rejoiced. They rejoiced over their offerings that they had given. The people took ownership. They acted. They made a personal commitment. They made a commitment to the leadership. They made commitment to God. And they, they, they were involved. They were involved. Well, what can I do? Hey, we can be involved. That's what we can do. I, don't, I think it's okay for me to come to church, but I think God wants me to make some investments. Somebody say amen. Second thing, they were unified. Everybody say unified. Look at this. Hit it again. One more time. Look at it. It's in that verse. They had given freely. They had given freely. The fact that they offered willingly indicates that they gave because they wanted to. The word freely means willingly. That means nobody twisted their arm. Nobody pressured them. They made a decision together that they were going to go forward and they were unified. See what happens? One of the greatest benefits of us stepping forward is, is the benefit of unity. Unity. We join together to accomplish a task that is greater than us. And it is. Somebody say amen. Next thing, they were devoted. It's in this verse. They were devoted. Look at this. Devoted. They had given freely and wholeheartedly. Everybody say wholeheartedly. When you're devoted to something, you are willing to give 100% of your heart to it. When you're devoted to something, it don't matter how late at night it is or how early in the morning it is. And you know what? A half-hearted commitment doesn't involve any sacrifice or dedication, and nor does it come to, with any rejoicing. A wholehearted commitment is joined with rejoicing. Somebody say amen. Last but not least, they were grateful. Everybody say they were grateful. I want you to notice something. And this is very powerful. In 1 Chronicles 29, 20, the Bible states this. Then David said to the whole assembly, Give praise to the Lord your God. How many times have you ever heard somebody get up and pull up and say, Come on, let's praise the Lord. And everybody just kind of stare at him. My friends kind of laugh because I've got a, I've got a common phrase that I usually state when they call me or they say something to me. They say, praise the Lord. And I, I say back, praise Him yourself. Praise the Lord. Praise Him yourself. <laughs> and then they laugh. It's kind of a joke. <laughs> I don't want you to think I'm telling everybody to pray. Brother Colthar, call praise Him yourself, Brother Colthar. Brother Bernard, praise him yourself. <laughs> Sorry. David said to the whole congregation, praise the Lord. And what did the whole congregation do? The entire assembly. Man, now wouldn't that be a Sunday service? The entire assembly praised the Lord. You know why? Because they were involved. They were devoted. They were unified, and they all had the same thing in their heart. And when they gave wholeheartedly, when it was time to praise the Lord, every one of them had a praise in their heart for God. <laughs> they were involved in something that was going to last longer than they were going to live. They were going to build a dwelling place for their God that would last long. Into In fact, they're still praying beside the wall of that old temple tonight. 
And those children of Israel, the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors. They bowed low and they knelt before the Lord and the King. The Bible tells us that they began to worship God. They had no regrets. Nothing was holding them back. They had no worries. They had a praise in their heart for God. I tell you, I want to live that way. I want to be free from the constraints of this world and worldly things. I want to make sure I have a praise for God in my life. Somebody say amen. When they gave, when they're giving, notice what their giving did for them. You say, well, if we give, you know, the Lord will give back to No, that's not why we give. We, we cast our bread on the water and the Lord said, it'll come back to you, pressed down, shaking together, running over. I believe that. But that's not the reason we give. We give. It's more blessed to give than receive. The Lord's given so much to us. <laughs> what happens when we give is we grow spiritually. There are two things that happen in this verse. Notice what happened to them. It made them grow spiritually. First of all, it made them thankful for the things God had given them. The Bible, the KJV says they blessed the Lord. That means they were thankful. In other words, they gave to the Lord, but they knew if God hadn't given something to them, they would have nothing to give. So they realized, you know what? What we gave is what the Lord had blessed us with. So we're going to bless the Lord with what He's blessed us with. And that's why I can't hold my peace. That's why I want to praise the Lord. It's because He's been so good to me. He's blessed me in so many ways. Oh, yes, He has. Come on, let's praise the Lord for just a minute. Come on. Lord, I bless Your name. You've been good. I could never, ever repay you for all your blessings in my life. Oh, yes, let this entire congregation, oh, Lord. Notice the second thing it did. It put them in proper perspective with their Lord. Notice 1 Chronicles 29 says, when they praised the Lord, they bowed low. Look at that. They gave, they gave humility. It humbled them. That God had been so good to them that they could gather up the materials for the building of the temple. And I close with this. It was a story of Americans visiting a Korean church on a short-term missions trip. And they were riding through the countryside with some of those Korean church members. They were showing them the, the country. And they noticed two teenage boys pulling a plow on a little farm there in a little farming community. They were deeply moved. They began to talk about how poor this family must be. These two boys out there, no, no cow, no, no, no donkey, nothing, nothing to pull that plow with and how poor they must be. And those church members said, oh, it's, it's not poverty. They're, they're, they're not poor. That's not why they're pulling that plow. In fact, those people are members of the church you're going to be preaching in this weekend. They're, they go to our church. and they, they actually sold the two oxen they had to help build the little church that we have in our little community. And they didn't consider it a sacrifice. They considered it an honor that they had two oxen to give. And you know what? It's very important that we recognize how much God has blessed us with. 
You know that joke about the preacher saying, if you had a hundred of this, would you give me 50? Oh, yeah, if you had a hundred of this, would you give Yeah, if you had two pigs, would you give me one? Now, you know I got two pigs. God's been good to all of us. Yeah, God's been good to all of us. And I believe the Lord wants me to stretch. Last but not least, giving is uh, giving to ministry is not a sacrifice. It's an honor. <laughs> said it's an honor. So before you leave, let's stand together tonight. I, I want us to pray before I ask you a few questions.